Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Timber Living Log Cabins. For your perfect workspace, living space or hideaway, timberliving.ie. My next guest spent four years training to be a priest and then he left. Neil Fox, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Brandon. Thanks now, Neil, me. well, thank you for coming in uh, and you have some story to tell. So you're a few years out of the seminary now and I feel uh, you kind of feel ready to talk about it now. I, you wouldn't hear of many young men joining the priesthood these days, but you were co- kind of quite religious from an early age, were you? I had been religious enough as a child. Um, and when I say religious, as in like quite prayerful and um, I suppose quite sensitive um, and I had this, my, I remember first kind of memory of kind of, of Jesus or of hearing about, we'll say the gospel or that was the line where he talks about turning the other cheek. And it's, I don't, it's not a line that most people maybe hitch on to, but yeah. um, it was, I suppose that, that sense of, you know, forgiveness and kindness. Um, and that's what I took from, I suppose, being Catholic or Christian growing up. Um, not that I was always both of those things, but um, I think as a child, I probably had that sort of a view and a very simple sort of faith. Um, yeah. and then You're into the the stories of the saints as a well. Little, which yeah. is a, that's yeah. a thing that used to be there. Kids would be mm-hmm. into the stories of the saints. I think what happened was it was coming up to like your confirmation age group and you know the way we take confirmation names or we use the saints' names and that. And um, around the same time, there was a, my a relation of ours had died and they had been involved in, I think that some of them had been nuns, the rest of the family. And we had like boxes of these old missiles and storybooks and that. And I yeah. suppose that was where, where like an, I'm kind of a bit obsessed with names anyway, like names like Scholastica and these kind of names we don't really hear about anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, it was really Mother Teresa was the, you know, was the impetus, I suppose, as in the Christianity in action kind of thing for me when I like, kind of learned a little bit about the work she did. Yeah. Um, now we're rewinding, like I was only very young, so um, it would have been more her, we'll say, working on the streets with people. Um, not so much maybe um, advocating for certain Catholic values so much, but it was more, I suppose, to, to see you know, helping poor people or helping people in need was what really attracted me. Um, you contacted yeah. her, didn't you? Um, I did. Um, sounds nuts now. Um, <laughs> but um, I had forgot that until when I was going through the process of applying for religious order and stuff like and we, we to kind of reflect on vocations kind of story um, and that. And um, I, I, I remember, I think it was around um, Princess Diana and Charles at the time were in India and Diana had visited um, where Mother Teresa's place was in Calcutta. And I remember reading a lot. It was in the news a lot. And then Mother Teresa visited Ireland maybe that year, the following year. So it was, it was quite topical here. Um, and I suppose my young sort of um, enthusiastic, idealistic brain kind of coned in a little bit on it. And so I wrote um, a couple of letters um, I think the first letter I wrote was I wanted to go over. I think I was 12. I was I was still in primary school. I might have been 11 or 12. And um, um, I remember I was staying with my grandparents at the time. My nana had been, had had brain damage. So I was just, I was staying there for a little while when she was recovering. And um, I remember she was kind of laughing. Now they weren't like sneering me as such, yeah. but they were kind of like, oh yeah, you know, it's nice to do these things or whatever. But then a letter came from India, maybe it was six, eight weeks later or yeah. something. And then a few came after on really thin paper, I remember. like, And, the, and were the, they handwritten by her? The, she, Dear Neil part was handwritten and her name was handwritten, but the rest was typed like, um, yeah. you know. But it was addressed. Yeah. The letter wasn't oh, a pro yeah. forma letter. Like no, it was no. To you, yeah. Now there was also a little picture 
picture and I remember in the first one more so there was a picture and there was um, I should have I should have actually tried to remember the same but you know that um, you know I think it's from Isaiah I've pa- I've um, you know the, the your name is on the palm of my hands I just can't think that I've gone blank okay. you know so that was obviously a biblical kind of just yeah. print but um, yeah. no the, the rest was because um, the gist of the letter was you know maybe when you're older but right now no um, but the, the the thing that stands out um, and it, I think it's very missionary is a charity as well because I, I know some of the nuns in Blarney and that since and it's very much like do what you can where you are um, yeah. you know no matter your age obviously my age I was too young you know but yeah. But then when we look back, when you see reading the lives of saints and stuff at that age, you think that you're going to do the same thing where it's, you wouldn't be allowed nowadays. You wouldn't, you know, at that age to go off somewhere like that. But yeah, so okay. unfortunately now I didn't go off and, 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 you know, heal the world or anything like that. But um, I think that was just a spark. But I suppose yeah. as I went on a little bit, my teenage years, I certainly wasn't practicing my face all the time or, you no, know, okay. you know okay. and, and that. But um, but I think there was, for me, it was very much like, um, you know, what you might call it, outreach or something. Um, to I suppose I see faith and and Jesus God the whole the whole dynamic of religion whatever religion a person is is to not just try and have a connection with with God but to better things for other people as well so Be I suppose that, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 okay there's a parallel story here as well mm-hmm. which is your sexuality when, when did you become aware of your sexuality um gosh um that's probably the most difficult question you could ask me. Um, okay, sorry. No, no, I don't yeah. mean it like that. But um, I would have, um, looking back, it probably was more obvious to other people and I younger in school or that. Um, but um, I wouldn't have really, I wasn't, I suppose I was about 14, 15. Um, I suppose I had a bit of a crush on somebody in school um, of the same sex. Um, but, you know, you know, I didn't act. Or, you know, there was nothing involved. Or, but, you know, because you have to remember, because back then that was in the 1990s, early 1990s, mid 1990s. Very different planet. Um, in Ireland was very different. Yeah. So was Britain. Yeah, you we know. forget that. You know, it's and it's, recently, it's difficult to, yeah. yeah, to, you know, because people would say, you know, why didn't you la la la? But no, um, and I would have felt like this wasn't, at that point it wasn't to do with the church because I didn't really understand what the church taught. And at that age, it was kind of irrelevant or not irrelevant but it wasn't that wasn't the reason it was just because everybody it felt like it was the worst thing in the world to be um, you did, know so did it yeah yeah absolutely um, and like there would have been a lot of bullying and that around it in school and and, and that so I certainly wasn't going to um, announce it to the world um, but announcing yeah. it to myself was the big issue um, but um, I suppose then when I was about I kind of put it to the back of my mind I didn't go out with anyone and I just kind of had a normal enough teenage years um, but I suppose when I was about 20-ish 1920 um, that's kind of when you know it, I kind of I suppose I don't really use the phrase came out because I kind of came out and went back in a couple of times you okay. know, but, um, okay. over the years. But um, so it would have been around that age that it certainly was. And I would have, you know, I've got, went out with a few guys at that point. Um, and so, so yeah, but it was really only in my 30s, um, later okay. 30s that I became more comfortable with it, even though, you know. So, so, but then you see what I'm confused about is when did you join the kind of born again Christian church then? Um, that was just after that was I was that was about two thousand um, to two thousand and two kind of period, um, 
I so you're he, beco- you're coming to terms with your sexuality, yeah. and like it would sound like going into the lion's den, then joining born again Christians. I presume absolutely. they would have taken a dim well, view. Of well, it was a particular, um, you know, it was a particular um, sect of that. Of okay, you know, and we won't mention. No, 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 absolutely yeah. not. But just you know, because each has its own slightly different nuances. Okay, um, and um, that what happened was it certainly wasn't planned. Um, I worked in Ireland in Dublin, and around that period, and it was just. It's a bit like there is, you know, it, it was one of these groups that would stop you on the street to talk to you. Um, and when you're that age, you do talk. Maybe people don't know, but we did back then. And mm-hmm. now sometimes you'd laugh it off. They just got me on a day where I was kind of ripe for something. I was feeling a okay. bit maybe off or low in myself or whatever it was. Um, and, you know, I've never regretted it. Like, um, you know, because I often wonder, <laughs> you know, I think those couple of years probably were good for me in other ways, you know. But um, but yeah, it was it was I suppose it was like it was probably the worst possible thing for somebody who was struggling in themselves about their sexuality. It was just beginning to kind of accept it a little bit to go into um, any sort of organisation or group that would be very much wasn't quite conversion therapy um, per se, but it was very much like you know you you can change this. Um, you know, which is n- okay. very difficult. So was there something in your head as well Absolutely, thought, please, please yeah. people could cure me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not initially, because initially I didn't really think, because um, as I, like, I, I, back then in the 90s and not before that, unless you were very actively involved, I suppose, in, we'll say, in the church, or if you went into seminary very young, you probably, like, I wouldn't have been fully aware that the church was against um, somebody yeah. being gay. Okay. It was just, I felt that everyone I knew was, um, or that there was, you know, there was all these jokes and things like that. So it was more a cultural feeling. I wouldn't have associated with the church because remind, just to remind, like, my my view of, I suppose, God or, or Jesus was very much, like, about inclusion and about um, you know caring for people so yeah, the idea in that your he, innocence yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well yeah. I think I was right for yeah, sure yeah, yeah. In, in one way um, but um, so yeah so it, it was probably not a good idea to go into very black and white thinking and that so um, and then yeah I got very much lost in it because it was quite active for those couple of years as in like doing a lot of outreach and lots of things going places visiting people and you know lots of really good things like it was very much you know it's different than we'll say the, the Catholic um religious orders or seminary experiences which were more mainstream and, and in a way more normal inverted commas um, where the kind of the, the Christian group I was involved in was very much like kind of going back to first century Christianity that was the idea so you know we really practice our faith we share our faith on the street we meet people we talk to them um, you know which sounds it was quite a difficult thing to do when you think of it but I don't think I would have do it at an older age I think at that age you're very I suppose the maybe good thing was oh it's us against the world kind of thing yeah. and you know and for someone who probably looking back wanted to escape themselves escape myself and the fact that I was gay and I wasn't like everybody else which you know um, yeah Okay so it provided some kind of an answer for you in some strange yeah, it way must have, yeah, yeah. How did that parlay then into what you call the more normal kind mm-hmm. of kind of world of deciding you wanted to be a priest was this something that was at the back of your mind all the it time? It had been as a child as I small I often thought about being a priest or a monk or like I, I like writing and I, I used to think that if I went to a monastery I could write but then the other side of me didn't thought the monastery is not a great idea because you're not really out there reaching people and that okay. now you know that was just the way I thought back then um, but I think um, I did I obviously realised that the group that I was involved in was too extreme really um, and I I um, 
you know, I, I did leave that and a few of us left around the same time. Be in touch with a lot of them still. Now, not regularly, but we would still get on very well. Um, but um, I um, I suppose I gradually, um, where others that left tended to go completely away from religion or faith yeah. because of, there was an intense experience and they had been in longer than two years. I I, I, I was only two years there. But um, when, when I left then, I suppose I went to Anglican Church for a little while and a few things like that was at, um, in, in, in Dublin. Um, just sort of with Anglican, the Anglican and Catholic Church are quite similar, as you know. Um, and I suppose that there was, there was, you know, there was sort of a, it was a kind of a gradual thing. And then okay. I just kind of stopped going for a while completely. Um, but what happened was... Um, suppose I'd be going into work and I'd been out, out the night before or whatever and not really living the life that you expect that somebody is still at the back of their mind thinking on um, religious life in some form. But it kept coming back. And um, so I, I kind of, when I was inching towards 30, I was like, ah, no, sure, I'm too old now. I'm not perfect. I've done X, Y, Z. You know, like yeah. it's kind of just the way we think, I suppose. Um, but it was, my, my mum was sick. My mother got cancer and she died um, within a short amount of time after she was 51 at the time. And then um, my, my granddad and a friend of mine died suddenly the year later. And those things... Um, I suppose they just gave me a little bit of perspective or, or just kind of made me think like what's life about um, and I felt that um, when my when my mother Catherine was my mother's name when she was in in the hospital systems and that for the period she was sick we met a couple of chaplains and people like that I was very impressed by by them and I can't really tell you exactly why but it was no, I can understand but it was that. just something yeah. that was yeah. it, it just sort of deepened and it wasn't like and it joined with your yeah, idea of and it was God just and gradually about, yeah it was a gradual thing yeah. over a few years and then so what's I just the process took the, then oh the process is intense enough uh, um but um you know you 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 go through a lot of like for in general um, like I would have when I was looking into the religious order at first and that you, you, you know, you meet with people um, I mean, like um, this, to discern, it's called, um, is this something that you might be interested in? You spend some time with them and um, you might visit a monastery or the priory or, or house or whatever. Um, but then there's the more like just to speak it up, you'd have like, um, what's the assessment? You have a medical assessment, psychiatric assessment, psychological assessment. Um, then you've interviews, panel interviews and lots of things. There's lots of bits and pieces involved. So it's not for the faint hearted nowadays. Um, OK. So you but do you have, have you to have got some sort of that. desire. Yeah. And, yes. and they thought you were suitable and you thought it might suit yeah. you. Do, and but, it's important. But by the way, can I ask you, not to obsess about your sexuality, but oh, yeah, did sure. they ask you at any point? Um, you, no, it didn't. Um, I brought it up, I think, in the, the with the psychologist. All right, yeah, it yeah. did come up okay. in that context, but it wouldn't have been deemed an issue. Um, the psychologist, obviously, an outside body, like um, at that, for that particular group. Um, um, so no, and I just, I suppose that there, you obviously have to be willing to, you know, lead a, you know, a chase or celibate life, and yeah. to, or to be open to to going in that direction. So I wasn't going out with anyone at the time. I wasn't involved with anyone like that. So it was, it was just like being a single person. And um, do, does that vogue kick in kind of straight away as soon as you start your training, or how does that work? Well, the, I know it's lit, my situation is a tiny bit maybe confusing for people, but it's just that like I did, I, I studied in the seminary. I did my classes in, in Minute um, with the other normal inverted commas like diocesan seminarians and others from religious organ or religious, sorry, orders um, and from some congregations as well. Um, so we, we, most of us studied together um, during the day period, but like I didn't, I didn't sleep or stay overnight there. Um, but So you're the, a lay person yeah. still? 
Yeah. Well, oh, I am now, obviously. Yeah. But, no, but, but, no, no yes. I mean in that situation. But you're a religious seminarian, which is slightly okay. different. In a way, it's a little bit, in my view, it's probably easier in Ireland because you, you've a bit more religious life might sound more difficult to some people because you do take, sorry, my, my point was that you take vows for religious orders. You take the poverty, chastity and obedience. You don't yeah. for um, diocesan. Um, oh, okay. But no, no, what happens is, um, just to kind of sum up, what, what happens is you're obviously meant to live, you know, by those... Um, you know, vows, um, but you don't actually take the vows until later on. You you know, they give you time to discern. So that's the process. Okay. You know, okay. So. so then, um, you, so you stayed for four years in, in the system, yeah? Mm-hmm. So it was working for you initially. At what point did, did you start to get your doubts then? Um, well, it's... Like it's a, like it's a, it sounds so you know wokey or whatever to be saying it's a journey, but it really is a journey, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. And so the idea, you know, because I know a lot of people think, gosh, you know, why does it take? I know some of my family or friends used to say, no, not about me, but just in general, you hear them saying, like, why does it take so long to become a priest? But part of the reason is that it it's such a different lifestyle to be going into. So it does, you know, you you journey with it, um, and you know, and but um. No, initially, I suppose I felt that the order I entered maybe wasn't for me. And so um, then I, I changed um, and looked at a different order and I, I started studying with them and then studying a minute through that. Um, and, you know, and, and that's quite common, actually. A lot of people go to, you know, from one order to another for a couple of years and then they settle. Okay. And, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. it's not as unusual as it might sound. Um but yeah, I think my sister's death um, had a huge effect on me. Um, Donna died um, just cycling to work in Dublin. Um, people will remember Don- yeah. Donna Fox. It was it, yeah. it, it was a very, very sad uh, and case. Of she was knocked down on the keys, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, near the keys here. Um, and, 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 but um, I think why, I think that probably sped up me deciding that maybe it's not for me um, long term. Um, possibly um, had it not happened, things might have been different. But like, think? yeah, um, the the problem is now I'm I'm happy the way I am now. But like when you look back on it, I do see it as that was the, the moment, not initially, but within a month of that happening that I was like, I just became quite disillusioned. A lot of people do when there's a sudden um, death. Really? Yeah, I think a lot of people become... In general, like not just people going in for priesthood, okay, but like yeah, your faith. Yeah. Sorry, my faith. I felt no connection um, with God for the first time in my life. Not out of anger. I didn't. Um, I certainly like none of my family um, have ever really been angry. We'll say towards a driver. We're all sad what happens, but there mm. wasn't that sense of anger. So it wasn't in my case. It wasn't like oh, I'm suddenly really angry with God. Why could He let this happen? Because I just you know I think I don't see life like that. But for me, I just I think looking back, it was trauma. It was shock. And that's how I couldn't feel connection to anything or anybody. Yeah. Um, do, do you have faith now? Yes, I do. Yeah. Are you Catholic? Yes, I am. Um, I'm obviously, um, I'm not, I think part of the reason, Brendan, that I, I couldn't have stayed long term was there's certain teachings and dogmas that are, are so strongly um, pushed by um, the church, um, by some in the church, um, and that the average person on the street associates the Catholic Church now either with horrendous crimes from the past or else with, oh, they're against this, they're against that, you know. Um, and I suppose my sister was was also gay, Donna, and um, she'd been in a relationship for a while before she died. And I have a feeling it was more that that okay. affected me because yeah. for myself, you know, because my own issues were with myself. Like I, it was kind of, if you want to call it internalised kind of homophobia is a phrase I use sometimes for, as in I was... I was unhappy with myself being gay, but I had no problem with anyone else being. Um, 
I don't feel that way now, but that took a bit of work. Um, so I think that because the way, you know, I just felt, well, the church teaching would be against um, what, how my sister was living and she yeah. was living a very normal, um, you know, life. Sorry, Do I don't you know think if I answered that right. No, no, you did, yeah. Do you think a lot of priests are gay? Um, I can only speak from this part of the world, like from Ireland and England um, and that. So, yes, absolutely. Um, I would just, I would say, just to kind of follow up on that one, I don't think that's a negative thing. Um, I wasn't suggesting No, No, I know you weren't, yeah, but yeah. I just, I know that, like, we've, um, things come out from from popes and from other leaders and that, and it can come across as if, oh, you know, it's horrendous to think that there might be somebody gay, we'll say, studying for the priesthood, for example, um, in a seminary or that, shall we say. And I suppose people we, the people are praying for vocations um, around the country, and a lot of people who are called to priest, but priesthood seem to be gay. And what's there's not really much wrong with that. Yeah, and but the Pope was saying the, during the week the teaching that the, is the issue. You know, it's, yeah. that's the that's and, the difficulty. And this is it. So, and it's so the latest yeah. update we have is the Pope mm-hmm. saying during the week there that uh, I think cardinals should not support laws against um, homosexuality. Mm-hmm. But he did say, look, it is a sin. But he said so is intolerance is a sin mm-hmm. and everything. Do you, does the Church need to change its I think whole Pope, attitude around this? Do you a think? very honest answer, and I yeah. really I like Pope Francis. I like a lot of his writings and that. But my honest answer is, I think Pope Francis is incredibly frustrating. I find him frustrating because he half says a lot of things. Um, you know, this coming out with um, statements like, you know, we all bloody well know it's a crime or not a crime to be yeah. gay. Like the state, the, like stating the law. The, I suppose the the thing just to you know to, the, the thing the Catholic Church is so big all around the world so in several countries I'm not sure the number but a good few countries that are predominantly Catholic um, still have laws that are against homosexuality as in it's a, not just a, a sin as he put it but that it's a crime and it's you know by the death penalty in some countries um, so what he said is welcome in that regard mm. but like it's a bit like you know that's Sure, we've known that for a long time. It's yeah. decriminalised. He can't, he can't throw all the, all the rules uh, straight No, but I just either, think, like, I think the good thing think, about him is, yeah. like, on the positive is, his his tone has changed and it's much more, like, the fact that I can come on air and talk about being gay and Catholic, yeah. that's partly because of him. Because and, he and you the don't feel that the Catholic Church is a cold house for, for you? No, no. And I suppose that, that that's... Um, I think that's partly the reason that I, I spoke to, to the paper that week was that um, I want to kind of encourage other people who are gay that they don't have to turn off this notion of God or faith or religion yeah. or going to church. The more people who do engage and go, the things things can change, you know. Um, I'm not saying everyone should go for the priesthood. I don't mean that. Yeah. I suppose it's more like, I, I think sometimes if somebody is, um, is gay, they feel that, oh, well, the church has, has no place for them. Most priests in this country are very supportive of gay people. But the unfortunate thing, in my view, is that they have to be in a very quiet way. So while it's OK to pastorally care um, or, you know, for, you know, to, for, for people who are gay or to have proper conversations with them, to do it on a public level um, could get them in, in trouble, yeah. even still, even under the, the current state. But it is improving in general, I think. OK. How are you? Did you transition back to um, quotes normal life, all right, and everything, and <laughs> throw yourself back? I don't into think the I'll world. ever be normal, Brendan. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it took a while. But I, I like in, in fairness, I think that um, it's hard to um, 
I think the real issue was after Donna's death that I was kind of quite traumatised and because the the fate issue then and then moving on from that, that was part of it. But one, the two together were just very difficult. So, yeah, I, so I but well yeah, imagine. no, I do have a fate and I do believe very much in God. And But I suppose that I, I feel it's just sad that a lot of people who would be ideal candidates for the priesthood um, are feel feel that they shouldn't go forwards, you know, um, and you know I do think that the church needs to open up as well and and look at things like um, um, women priests or, or married people being allowed to have relationships and get married. Um, but you know that's another day's work, isn't it? Okay, Neil Fox, fascinating, a lot of food for thought there. Thanks very much for being so honest. Thank and you for, and for telling us that story. <laughs> You're uh, very good. I, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's good Thanks. to talk to a cork man anyway. <laughs> All right, Neil Fox, thank you very much. Email brendan at rte.ie.